we have this wonderful good news that he is risen. And then we also have this beautiful picture in Scripture of where God lives, and it talks about God inhabiting the praises of his people. And so I just had this overwhelming sense this morning that God is right here with us, walking with us and living with us and living in the midst of our praises. So I'm just so thrilled that you're here to help celebrate that with us today and to add your voice to that. It's wonderful. My name is Kent. I'm one of the pastors here, and I got the great privilege of being able to open up the scriptures and look at the that first Easter story, that first Resurrection Sunday, and, and hear it again. So if you have a Bible, I'd like to invite you to open it up and look with me. It's from Luke chapter 24. So we're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third gospel, the last chapter, chapter 24, uh, kind of an eyewitness account from those who were there that first Easter and what they saw and what they experienced and uh, what that might mean for us today. So follow along. There's Bibles in the chairs if you need a Bible or, or you can open your phone or your iPad or whatever you read your Bible on. Luke chapter 24, starting with the first verse. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, They did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along the road? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said, He was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Jesus said to them, 
How foolish you are and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. While he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. We're thinking about walking on the road with Jesus, and I don't know about you, but I find it helpful when I'm navigating in unfamiliar territory to have some road signs to kind of guide me. And I have discovered along the way that there are some signs along the road that are a little more helpful than other signs. I found one this week, or a couple this week, signs that maybe weren't so helpful. Go ahead and show them that one. Ever see a sign like that? Yeah, you just look at it and wonder, what what were they thinking? How about this sign? What would you do if you came up to this particular intersection? I guess you just have to stay there forever. That's the only thing I can think of if you obey all the signs. How about this next one? Has that ever happened to you? (laughs) The the main question I have about this sign is this. How many times does this have to happen before they post a sign warning you that it's going to happen? And it could be helpful, I guess, because if a cow is coming down on my car, I want to know before it gets there. How about this one? Isn't that cute? Of course, we don't see these in Iowa very often, but I can imagine that there's a place where this sign is really quite helpful. This one, this next one actually was the one I thought was the most helpful of all. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it takes a minute. (laughs) And those of us who are closer to getting our senior discounts get it a lot quicker. It's like, oh yeah, this is helpful. And that actually inspired me to think of maybe I'm going to call Fairway this week because this could be a good series of signs for them. As I get into the entrance of Fairway, I need some prompts. So don't forget, get milk, get bread, get bananas. That would be a nice set of signs in the entrance to Fairway. What do you think about this next sign? (laughs) Not super specific, but at least it gives you kind of a heads up, doesn't it? When I was going through these, I saw this sign, and the very first thing I thought of was, that is the perfect sign for Easter, isn't it? Be aware, surprises on the road. Because when I read the gospel accounts, all four of the gospel accounts of the resurrection... They're all the same. Everybody was surprised about the resurrection. Nobody saw it coming. In fact, they often talk about how kind of perplexed everybody was or confused or uncertain. They didn't know what to do. In fact, when the tomb is discovered empty, nobody goes, yeah, is this what we thought? No, you know, no one says, praise the Lord, Jesus is alive. This is great. He said he was going to do this. Nobody responds that way. Everybody responds, and they have various levels of confusion and doubt. Some are described as being dumbfounded and perplexed. They're filled with anxiety and uncertainty. Everybody's surprised. What happened? There was a body in the tomb. Now there's no body in the tomb. We don't know what to do with it. In fact, the passage we just read a minute ago said, once they made a report of the resurrection, their words seemed like nonsense. 
They can't even make sense out of this. What's going on here? Everyone on the road with the risen Jesus is surprised. They didn't expect it. The women, we know, they came to the tomb that first Easter morning and they come for one thing. They have come to anoint a dead body. They have come to prepare it for burial. The biggest question that comes up as the women are going toward the tomb is the question about the stone. Who's going to roll the stone away? Because we've got to get to this body and get it ready and get it prepared to be buried properly. When they come and find the stone rolled away, Luke describes it this way. They entered the tomb, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And they were greatly perplexed about this. When suddenly two men appear, gleaming like lightning, and they stand beside them. Only when these two men begin to talk to the women, do they start to kind of piece things together. They say, remember, he said this was going to happen. He said he was going to die and come to life again after three days. And then they, it starts to click a little bit, and they remember that Jesus predicted this very thing. So they're energized by this encounter, and they run back to the disciples. They are greeted with complete skepticism by the disciples. We're told that this testimony was regarded as an idle tale, is the way some translations talk about this. And that's a kind of a generous translation of the word that's there, because the root word for that idle tale is actually the word delirious. So the women come back and they report about Jesus is alive, there's a resurrection, there's no body, and the disciples go, You're nuts! That's what they say to them. You're crazy. Beware of surprises along the road. Resurrection is like this because the claim that we're making on this day is not the claim that Jesus' body was just resuscitated, that it had swooned and something had happened and now he just kind of was revived again. The claim that we make is this, that God enters human history and reverses the whole plan of creation. He takes something that is dead and he makes it alive again. This is what we claim, that the whole world is turned upside down, that God turns something that was a dead end, the crucifixion, and he makes it a new beginning of resurrection, that God transforms this most desperate and despairing of all days and he makes it a day of hope. That's resurrection. One commentator I read this week talked about this complete reversal and I like the question she asked. This was the question. If the dead don't stay dead, what can you count on? She went on to say this, resurrection breaks all the rules. And while most of us will admit that the old rules aren't perfect and sometimes they're downright awful, at least we know them. They are predictable, a known quantity, and in that sense, comforting. Resurrection upsets all of that. Another preacher I know talked about it this way. Resurrection unlike springtime, is entirely unnatural. When a human being goes into the ground, that's that. You say goodbye, you pay your respects, and you go on with your life as best you can, knowing that the only place springtime happens in a cemetery is on the graves, not in the graves. Resurrection changes everything. And when we encounter resurrection on the road with Jesus... It's a surprise. It's a big deal. It causes us to make a double take. It whacks us upside the head. It turns us into new directions. We don't know what to do. Jesus is risen. This is our claim for the day. 
I always joke about this when everybody asks me about, are you getting ready for the big Super Bowl sermon on Easter Sunday? Yeah, I'm thinking about going with Jesus is risen. How does that sound? (laughs) That's the message that we proclaim. And if we don't find it at least a little hard to swallow, then we're not taking resurrection seriously. And if we do find resurrection a little hard to believe, then we are in really good company. Because all those early disciples of Christ had a tough time wrapping their minds around it too. This is the single most important event in all human history. Bar none. Jesus is risen. And because he is risen, we know that God has made a new reality. And some of the consequences because of the resurrection, sin loses its power. Death loses its sting. Hell loses its grasp. Satan loses the battle. Resurrection proves God's love. It demonstrates God's power. It unleashes God's kingdom so that from this day forward, we believe that forgiveness overcomes condemnation. We believe that Joy replaces sorrow. We believe that wholeness replaces brokenness. Hope replaces despair. We believe that love replaces fear. New creation replaces old. Beauty replaces ugly. This is all true because Jesus is risen. He is alive. Now this resurrection faith comes slow sometimes. Again, you're in good company if that's you because even the first disciples didn't get it right away. Think about it this way. The first two people who walked on the road with the risen Jesus didn't even recognize him. They had no idea who they were talking to. But Jesus knew them. Jesus saw them as though they were like the only two people in the world. And I don't know about any of you, but it just struck me as very odd this week as I was thinking about this. Didn't Jesus have something better to do on the day that he was raised from the dead than walk seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus with these two people? I mean, he's just come back to life, raised from the dead, and he spends at least the next two hours walking along the road with these two people. Apparently, he did not have anything better to do but to come alongside these two disciples. Two disciples who were distraught. Their world had just been turned upside down. They were despairing. Two disciples who needed to walk with Jesus. And so Jesus walks with them all the way to Emmaus. And then Jesus patiently listens to them as they explain everything that Jesus himself just experienced. And then Jesus patiently explains to them how all of Scripture had predicted this, how all of Scripture had been pointing to Jesus as the one who was going to be the Savior of the world and that he was going to live and die and rise again from the dead and that by this God is going to transform the world forever. Jesus describes them as uh, slow to believe. Some translations call it slow, slow of heart. And I don't think that this is a judgment on Jesus' part. I actually think it's a description He's just naming for what it is because we live in a world 
that is not expecting resurrection. I think we're all a little slow on the uptake in that department. I know that I am. We don't really expect to see the risen Jesus walking alongside of us, do we? And so we're a little slow to believe, a little slow to get it. So Jesus finds us and patiently comes along beside of us and he walks the roads of our life with us and points to himself as the one who brings God's kingdom, the one who comes to fix everything that's broken, the one who comes to set right everything that is wrong, the one who comes to bring life out of death. That's resurrection. And we discover, I think, each of us in different ways, Jesus on the road, and maybe it's different things, it takes different times or different opportunities for us to recognize that. These two on Emmaus did not see Jesus until they changed their focus a little bit. We're told they invite Jesus in for the meal, and as they're preparing, Jesus is breaking the bread, and then they focus on something different. They look at his hands, and when they focus on his hands, they notice hands that fed the hungry and hands that touched blind eyes and made them see, hands that healed the sick, hands that comforted the grieving, hands that held the lonely, hands that scooped up children and placed them on his lap, hands that welcomed strangers, hands that broke bread, hands that had nail holes, hands that brought life, hands that make all things beautiful. And their eyes were opened, and they realized Jesus has been walking on the road with them all along. Luke tells it this way. When he was at the table with them, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. So they asked each other, were not our hearts burning as we walked along the road with him? It seems to me this is another consequence of the resurrection. As we walk along our roads, Jesus walks along beside us, and our hearts start to burn sometimes, don't they? Because we may be facing difficult times, and we know that the one who loves us with an everlasting love is willing to walk along with us. He's willing to bring hope where we had no hope because he is alive and that changes everything. So Jesus is still coming alongside people today on the road, still making things beautiful, still transforming our lives. And I wonder what that might mean for each of us. And I don't presume to know all of you well enough to know anything about what you need today, but I I do have a question. And the question is something about How often do we need something in our lives made new? How often is something in our lives broken in need of fixing? How often is there something in our life that is in need of wholeness or healing? How often do we need Jesus to come alongside of us and make our lives beautiful? And I'm guessing if you're anything like me, it happens a lot. And today stimulates my imagination to believe that Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior, can walk alongside any of us at any time and make anything in our lives beautiful. 
And I want you to think about that for just a few more minutes today. So we've got this video, and while we're watching this video, I want you to focus on the words. I think the words of this song are uh, brilliant. And think about what beautiful things God would like to make in your life.
Jesus is alive, and he is still walking along the roads with his people. And I think even if you don't know Jesus or you don't believe in him, that he desires to come very close to each one of us. He wants to walk with us, and he wants to make our lives beautiful, and he wants to offer forgiveness for our sin. He wants to offer us hope when we're facing despair and discouragement. He wants us to know about God's love. This is what Jesus desires for each one of us. And so I want to just make an invitation this morning. If you're the kind of person who's here today and you go, I don't really know if I believe in resurrection stuff and I don't know if I believe in Jesus. I certainly don't know what it means when you're talking about walking along the road with Jesus. We'd love to talk to you some more about that and figure that out for you and help you come to know Jesus, the risen Jesus who walks with his people. And uh, if you don't want to talk to us, that's fine. There's a little prayer actually in the sermon cell study sheet this week that you can just pray. It's a simple prayer. It simply says, God, you know, I believe that Jesus Christ came and that he lived his life in obedience to you, that he died on the cross in our place, that he's risen again from the dead, and I trust him to be my Savior, and I want to follow him, and I want to walk with him on the road. That's a simple prayer, but uh, maybe you might feel led to pray that. And again, we'd love to talk to you some more about that if that is the case. But this is what I know. Jesus is alive, and he's walking with us every day. And he wants to walk with you too. So we've been doing this little practice. The last thing I want to do this morning is uh, give you an opportunity to contemplate what might it mean if Jesus was walking with you. So we've got this little practice we call contemplation in which we stop and listen. We recognize Jesus on the road. We try to identify a real specific place where we see Jesus. And then we simply ask the question, if Jesus was there with you, what would he say to you? And then we stop and listen. And we thought we'd like to give you just a couple of minutes to maybe reflect on that today. What does Jesus want to say to you? God, we come before you today and we thank you for being a good God. 
And we thank you for the ways, um, so many ways, that you have lavished your love down upon us. And God, we have been reminded uh, time and time again of that. And particularly today, God, we have been reminded of your great love. And so God, we do want to lift up anyone today in this place who has a special need. Maybe their life has been nothing but dust. And we know that you can make beautiful things out of dust. God, there may be those who are struggling with difficulties in their homes, in their families, in relationships, with their marriage, with their children. God, you're the God who wants to reconcile broken relationships and make them into something beautiful, accomplish the good work that you want to accomplish. God, others might be dealing with a whole other set of challenges that feel like dust as they recognize the frailty of their own bodies and they're dealing with sickness and illness and recovering from surgeries and facing cancer. And God, we live in a broken world physically and we need your healing touch. So I pray that today someone would know your healing touch and they would also know your presence coming close to give them comfort in their time of pain. God, others might be here today who are facing grief, grief over a lost love, grief over a lost loved one, grief over a life that has not panned out as they'd hoped, uh, grief over life that feels like it's crumbling. And God, you can make dust into beautiful things, so I pray that you would accomplish that. God, for others who might be facing various challenges, uh, we pray, God, that you would continue the good work that you've started in each one of us, and then help us to hear this good promise, which seems even better on Easter Sunday, that the good work that you've started, you will continue until one day it is completed. And we're really looking forward to that day. And so we ask that you'll walk with us in the meantime to help us recognize your uh, guiding and your uh, watching over us. And we'll be careful to give you all the thanks and all the praise for the good that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.